Hello, everybody. Happy middle of the summer. It is the middle of July, which means we're about halfway through the summer, which means some of you are probably already making your plans for Labor Day weekend. Hey, nerds, are you going to Dragon Con? Guess what? Mark and I are going too. We're going to be doing a live recording. We got this. We're going to be at panels and performances all over the weekend. Uh, so make sure you follow us on Twitter and Facebook uh, so that you know where we're going to be and what we're going to be doing. You can also check HalLublin.com. I'll have a schedule up there. But we're looking forward to meeting as many of you as we possibly can. So uh, please show up to any or all of the events that we're doing and say hi. We would love to meet you. Also, if you're listening to us on iTunes, the most popular podcasting platform, and you haven't yet reviewed or rated us, that really helps us out. It helps new listeners discover the show, which we really appreciate. So many of you already have given us these glowing reviews and rated us very highly, and that really means a lot to me and Mark. So thanks to all of you who have done it. If you haven't yet, now's the perfect time. It's halfway through the summer. Maybe you need a break from the beach. What better break than to sit at a computer and type some nice stuff about two people you probably haven't met? I can't think of anything better. That's the way summers are supposed to be spent. They're also supposed, and they're also supposed to be spent listening to We Got This, which you're about to do right now. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. What's the best Monty Python film? That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Greetings, everybody. Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, thanks for joining us again for another episode of We Got This. Yes, uh, we appreciate you continuing to listen to us no matter what we tell you you can and cannot do. <laughs> <laughs> I, are people really believing that they can and cannot do these things or just that if they are doing them uh, against the will of this program that they are just simply wrong? They're, they're free to go about their lives. They are, but they just have to do what we tell them, right? I mean, right. here's the thing. At first, I think people were really resistant. And I think over time, there are some slow, <laughs> like, like the stonemason who cracks the block of granite. It takes a thousand taps, but that thousand and first, it's going to shatter into powder. So that's what we're doing. We're, every episode is a tap on the block of granite. Yeah. We are taking a beautiful block of granite and just smacking it into tiny little chunks of powder. Um, well, you gotta, you gotta cut it right so you can cut it into tiny baggies and sell it. Exactly. Bag, uh, collector's granite. We're gonna be, we're gonna set up a bodega in, in Times Square and sell granite out of bags. Um, so today, uh, it, it is a, a proper day to, to talk about, you know, you do whatever you want. Yeah. You do you. Yeah. Uh, because it, Marriage equality was just ruled on yesterday, and it's going to be Pride Day in New York. You are in Los Angeles. Yes. I am in New York right now. It is Pride Weekend, and I'm going to go out and watch the parade, and it is going to be a do-whatever-you-want, free-for-all zoo that is closely monitored, and the crowd is controlled. But as far as costumes and party atmosphere, it's uh, it's very exciting. It's a celebration of a, of a disenfranchised group of people. Gaining some basic human rights, and, and this is going to come out uh, uh, like a month after uh, the the Supreme Court handed down their ruling. But uh, it's still it's a really exciting day. I mean, I'd say like for me at work, the first half of the day was like everybody kind of celebrating and being really happy about it, and sort of seeing what people were saying about it. So, so a very exciting day, uh, historic day. Very cool to be alive for for such a momentous occasion. It feels like it feels like the majority of our lives. In terms of 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 how the government has conducted itself and sort of world events has been a series of tragedies. So it's nice to also be there for for a landmark moment where where America sort of matures a little bit. Amen. Um, I will say we while both of us are elated about uh, the uh, the passing of marriage equality. Yes. This show is designed to talk about unimportant things. Yes. <laughs> we have, we, we set out with a goal at the beginning that we would never talk about anything of actual national importance to anyone's lives. So that means that the entire conversation we just had is not canon in the world of we got this. That's for all, true. That's for all true. the fanfic you're going to write, it shouldn't have anything yeah. to do with that conversation. 
We'll do we'll do our gay marriage episode later. Yeah, of course. Uh, along with our climate change episode. Yes. And our uh, nuclear armament episode. Yeah, and that's but the, today we're going to talk about Monty Python. Yes, Monty Python, uh, the maybe the best sketch group of all time. That that's maybe a different discussion. But this I don't is, know. We were both in a sketch group a long time ago. That's just sketch. good. That's right. Sketch is a terrible uh, name, but a good sketch group. Terrible name. Uh, but I I shouldn't I I shouldn't say that if anyone from Sketch is Sketch is listening who may have come up with that name. Um, I just remember hearing and I was like, what? That's what we're going to call ourselves. Well, but it was still a fun group with great people. Yeah, we still we still know and talk with and are friends with all the people in that group. So whoever it is knows it probably wasn't the best name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, who they? Some who are some notable people who were in that group? You and me. Um, you and me. Uh, Annie Savage, yes. Ben Acker. Yes. Uh, my wife, uh, uh, Jennifer Kelly Lublin. Jennifer Kelly Lublin. Uh, my ex girlfriend, Jen Kane. Yes. Um, Fred Cross was also in uh, Sketch a Sketch. Uh, Annie Fred Savage's Cross. husband. Yes. The the world's greatest straight man. Yes. Um, who else was in that group? Bobby Kesselman, who yes. once shaved his ab. He he had a very hairy belly, still does, hair, shaved his hairy belly into abs, <laughs> uh, which was, I thought, the greatest idea of all time. Yeah, that's he really he really did a good job of, of working with what he was given. Um, <laughs> yes, he we did. Also, uh, Jimmy Guidish. Jimmy, the legendary, the legendary Jimmy Guidish uh, of Freedom Snatch. Uh, and uh, many others, sort of a revolving door of many Jenny other Tabor, customers. Jay Tabor, Jen uh, Smedley, Greg Abbott were all members of the group. These I, much of this audience does not want to hear us just name drop uh, as many people from our old sketch group as we can. But listen, if you're if you're friends with us on Facebook, you might know who <laughs> these people are. <laughs> oh, for God's sake! But this this topic is a good one, and it was given to us by. Um, Actually, a Swagbucks user. Now, Swagbucks is the company I work for, and they've been featuring us in the company blog once a week. And they offer they offer an incentive for users who suggest a topic that we actually use. And I saw this one come through. It's by a, a Swagbucks user named Batty Janice. And I hi, Batty Janice. So good. Hi, Batty Janice. Thank you for she's she's become a fan of the show. And, uh, she looks forward to it and subscribed as has, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to evil Scotsman 1974 because he's been really oh, involved God. as well. Evil Scotsman. <laughs> and he's coming for you. 19 Mark. evil Scotsman 1974 sounds like a, a movie and I would watch that movie. Yeah. The 1974 is in parentheses. <laughs> There's nowhere to turn. <laughs> that was my that was my wah pedal, my crybaby on my guitar. That was fantastic. I got it right away. Um, so we're so we're talking specifically about uh, Monty Python's feature films, so films that were released in the theater, and there are five of them. Most people only only really think of three. Um, so I want to give an honorable mention to the other two. So first is so we're eliminating those right off. Well, I mean that one is an anthology, and that they're both really anthologies. One is and now for something completely different, which came out in 1971, and that was them. Um, actually, what's interesting is the goal of that film was to commit their favorite sketches to film and then release it in the U.S. so that American audiences could become um, familiar with Monty Python. That was supposed to break them into the U.S. and it it didn't really do that. It was it was a financial success, a modest financial success in the UK. But Monty Python for for me, let's talk a little bit about how we got to know Monty Python. Is I yeah. it was on PBS when I was when I was little. Yes, yeah. as a kid, uh, Monty Python played on PBS, and I believe it later played. Uh, was it Comedy Central that picked it up? Comedy Central, I think MTV um, showed it for a while as well. And it was just one of these. What it, as a kid, I'm I'm thinking, what is this? This insanity that I'm watching right now. Um, I was always a huge Saturday Night Live fan. Yeah. Um, and, but there's a very, there's a very specific structure to the sketches of Saturday Night Live. And it feels like old school television. Right. You know what I mean? It feels like it's got that, like, here's where, here's the host. And then here, now we're going to do a bit. And then the bit's going to end and the audience is going to clap. And then here's going to be another bit. These were a handful of super weirdos. <laughs> who who would transition scenes by having a newscaster at a desk in the middle of a field yes. or who would transition scenes with a cartoon uh and there's the that's just the transitions not to mention the scenes themselves being 
absolute lunacy. Ideally, in a comedy group, you will all have the same mentality that you'll all want to follow the same chi- same shiny object because that's the thing that everyone thinks is funny. Uh, that the shiny object's the thing you're chasing. Monty Python somehow they all found the same shiny object in every scene, and it was the weirdest. Yeah, like how would you think that that was the funny part of this scene, and that's the thing you're going to lay into? And they would all think it, and then every scene would work. Yeah, it was this like orchestrated madness, and and they really, and I could be wrong, but to my to my knowledge, all the sketch groups nowadays that try not to end uh, a sketch and just have a flow of their show, most notably, I think Mr. Show probably did it most successfully in the U.S. But that mm-hmm. that style was kind of pioneered by Monty Python, and I under from what I understand, it's because they didn't like to write endings, so they just oh. wouldn't end it. They just <laughs> go to the next thing, and it worked. <laughs> um, they would just have a giant foot come down from the sky. Yeah. But uh, I apologize. Uh, also, I, I'm going to be making random, uh, snorty loud noises throughout. I've already started doing it. I'm trying to get away from the mic as it happens. I have a, uh, I have a touch of, I'm a touch under the weather. Uh, well, I'll, I'll edit all those out because we're on separate tracks. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, for me, like, I, I think when I turned, I was aware of them. And then when I turned like 11, that was the age where mm-hmm. I just started to devour anything and everything I could find of theirs, renting tapes, uh, watching every episode I could, uh, taping it off of television, and repeating all of the bits with all of my friends who like Monty Python too. And, and that's the great thing about Monty Python is they're at the same time just the stupidest humor, but also brilliant, intelligent, uh, intellectual humor as well. So uh, you can grow up watching Monty Python and appreciate it on like four or five different levels on your way. Sure. It's like the Muppets. It's like the Muppets in that you're watching the same things over and over again, but you're learning different things. You're following different things each time. Yes, absolutely. Like when I was a kid, I, uh, totally off subject. I, I love the movie, a Christmas story. Do you know the movie, a Christmas story? Of course. Yeah. When I was a kid, I thought the kids in that movie were the greatest thing in the world. Now that I'm an adult, when I watch that movie, I think that, Darren McGavin and Melinda Dillon, the two adults in that movie, are the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's just, I guess it's just what you relate to, whether the kids or the adults. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is your favorite Monty Python sketch? Oh my God. Uh, I, I know. I really, Which of your babies? Come on, Sophie. Uh, it's really, it's a tough choice, but I think upper class twit of the year is my favorite. Which is the, uh, <laughs> they're in a race where they have to like jump over some matchboxes and take a bra off of a female mannequin. And, and the, the end is they have to shoot themselves in the head. So the first one to shoot themselves in the head, uh, is the winner. And it takes them all like they're shooting into the air. They keep missing their heads and they all have these weird like, uh, buck tooth faces that they're making and going, Whoa! and flapping around and it's just hilarious that's the thing that's great about them too is that they are unapologetically uh silly faced yeah there's no ironic detachment in their comedy it's not i'm just going to look like a normal person and deadpan deliver a line uh every every character gave a crap about every stake that was raised in the scene yeah. and uh and they were not against making a silly face and putting in a pair of buck teeth no not at all uh, what is your favorite sketch from Monty Python uh my favorite Monty Python sketch when i was a kid i don't even remember what the battle was i remember this making me harder than anything else um it was a recreation of was it the battle of hastings that they were recreating it was old ladies with purses Oh, uh, oh, was it the Battle of Hastings? It was like, it was like a five second sketch. It was it like, was, yeah, it was like the sacking of, of, of a city. Yeah. It might have been. It was a very famous, a very famous battle as recreated by little old ladies smacking each other with their handbags. It was a women's club. Yeah. And they were in the mud. <laughs> I just remember that. Like, like of all the sketches, I remember milk coming out of my nose when I saw that one. <laughs> can I can I give a quick nod? I know we're because we could go down a long rabbit hole with this. The mm-hmm. the philosophers uh, football game where it's all famous philosophers and thinkers, and they can't kick the ball. They're playing soccer, which is which is called <laughs> football everywhere else, and they can't start the game until they have an idea. So it's all them walking around thinking, and uh, <laughs> then once they have the ideas, <laughs> then they start playing proper soccer, and the commentary for it is hilarious. 
I uh, I don't remember that one. I will go back and watch it. Yes. Please. Are these are these are any of these sketches in um their either anthology film? Jeez, oh, uh, I think upper class twit of the year may be in uh, and now for something completely different. I have it here, so I can actually tell you what sketches there were. They Ooh. had uh, how not to be seen, uh, which is where people are. Cut, they just show pictures of of open landscape where nobody's uh, nobody's around, and they just pop out and wave. <laughs> um, oh, marriage guidance, uh, marriage guidance counselor, which is uh, <clears throat> Michael Palin and Carol Cleveland, who is the the uh, sort of unofficial female python. And they're going in for marriage counseling, and Eric Idle is the counselor, and he winds up sleeping with her. Because <laughs> Michael Palin's really wishy-washy, which he played really well. Uh, Nudge Nudge, which is a famous one. Nudge Nudge, a classic, sure. Self-defense against fresh fruit. <laughs> if you remember <laughs> This that is the one. first movie that, that these are. This is, yeah, this is the anthology. Dead Parrot, Lumberjack Song. Okay. Uh, I, I wore that album out when I was a kid, too. Yeah. Do you remember the Monty Python album, Monty Python Sings? Yes, yeah, they've got a just, ton of albums, actually. Well, that that was the best one, Hal. Of course, we're, we're, that's one I had. Yes, um, <laughs> I remember singing the lumberjack song as a kid. It was like a song we sang as kids. Yep. Uh, before I even knew who Monty Python were or what the what the deal was. Really? Uh, by the way, what's is it? Do I use Monty Python singularly or uh, collectively? Would it be Monty Python were or Monty Python was? I, I use Monty Python as a singular, but then the, the cast members I call, we, they're called the Pythons. Right. So Monty Python is the name of the group. Okay. <clears throat> um, let me ask you this. Who, yes. Who is your favorite, uh, who is your favorite of the Pythons? Oh, I want to save that for a, I think that's a separate episode. Really? I, I have one. Um, but I, <laughs> I got last year at Dragon Con, I got to meet and be on stage with Terry Gilliam, mm-hmm. who, is a really, really cool guy. and But it sounds like he's not your favorite, but don't say that because you're going to get stomped on with a well, giant animated foot. Exactly. I don't want to get uh, stomped on and then uh, have my leg filled with holes and played as a flute. <laughs> or <laughs> as an eagle carries it away and drops it in a nest. Yeah, exactly. Where another egg hatches like a Kaiser. Yeah. <laughs> Who says, this is very improper indeed. Um <laughs> No, he he was great. I like. I would love to meet all of the living pythons. Uh, that's just to, that's just to say. So far, you know, they say don't meet your heroes because uh, a lot of times you're let down because they're human beings at the end of the day. But meeting him was as exciting for me as I imagined it would be, and he was an absolute delight of a human being. Good. And we got a well, picture of him. He's the American python. <laughs> of course, he's nice. <laughs> Murica. Uh, Murica. But there is a picture of him holding the do an improv with Mark Gag's Gagliardi button that we took yeah, and sent I know to you. You sent, that. you sent me that picture. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Uh, maybe he'll come back this year when we're both at Dragon Con and you'll get to meet him too. Awesome. Um, but anyway, uh, just to answer the question, upper class twit of the year is the final sketch in, uh, in, and now for something completely different. So we're, we're gonna, we're gonna sort of, uh, push that one aside, but give it its due. And it's worth watching just to see how they, committed to film although it actually kind of you actually kind of miss the 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 studio audience laughing like there's no laugh track in monty python it wasn't a laugh track it was actually a, an audience watching so the studio it audience yeah they had a studio audience guess, they were showing stuff I, too i don't know why i feel like watching that because it looked old it looks older mm-hmm. it uh it's from a foreign land yes and some of the sketches are shot outside uh i just assumed that all of these sketches came from some uh, mythical old-timey land where nobody had invented television studios or uh, <laughs> studio audiences yet, even though it was well after the birth of the studio audience. Yes. It just feels so subversively not television to me. Right. That, like, the conventions of – it feels like the conventions of television wouldn't apply. Well, It you- feels like five guys in a basement making a dick-around show. Do you, do you know the story behind the name Monty Python's Flying Circus? I do not. So I when, wish you would tell me. When they started at the BBC together making the show, they didn't have a name for it. They couldn't decide on one. I think it was called Owl Stretching Time for a while. And then Gwen Dibley's Flying Circus. And then they came up with Monty Python, who's, who was not a person. It was just like a crazy sort of name they came up with. And uh, the BBC rejected that name. And then they countered by saying, okay, we'll change the name of the show every single week. 
And the BBC came back and said, okay, you can call it Monty Python's Flying Circus. <laughs> and that is, that is the difference between making television for the BBC and making television in America where the network would have said, okay, we're just going to uh, throw your show in the garbage and set it on fire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you are you are canceled. You'll be over here in this bin. Yes. Um, so the other anthology show is uh, Live at the Hollywood Bowl, which came out in 1982. And mm-hmm. I, I remember watching that. Every time I go by the Hollywood Bowl, I used to – I would hold out hope uh, since we moved here. Like maybe the Pythons will reunite and do a show at the Hollywood Bowl and I can go see them live. Of course, last year they did a show at O2 in London, uh, but neither of us were able to attend that. But it's, it's, a, it's cool to see well, them do their sketches live. I, and I uh, I will say I love lo- – this is not about Monty Python at all. Mm-hmm. I love the Hollywood Bowl. Have yes. we ever been to the Hollywood Bowl together, Hal? Maybe. I'm sure there's been – I'm sure there's been one or two trips out because um, it's one of those venues that if you live in Los Angeles, you have to go to the Hollywood Bowl. Mm-hmm. You can get dollar tickets to the Hollywood Bowl up in the nosebleeds, which is where I love to sit because there's more room to spread out and bring a picnic basket sure. and just chill and listen. And also – uh, there is every kind of music and entertainment you can imagine. I have seen reggae shows there. I've seen mu- multiple classical shows. Uh, I've seen music of the movies. I saw the XX. Uh, just incredible performers. Willie, uh, Willie Nelson. Uh, and all from this giant, uh, canyon or, uh, is it, can't, would it be a canyon? Like, just like a ravine sure. in the middle of a, uh, in the middle of the mountains in the Hollywood Hills. And boy, is it a fun venue. So right now, of the two movies we've chosen, that movie is winning. Yes. Just because it takes place live at the Hollywood Bowl. If you get a chance to go to L.A. in the summertime, get your dollar tickets and go to the Hollywood Bowl. And it is, in the summer, one of the things I miss most about living in Los Angeles. Yep. Sorry, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Um yeah, it's a it's a really cool film and a very cool venue and and they really they kind of make the most of the space that that I remember. I haven't seen that's this tough one in a while. That's a huge huge stage. Yeah. Um but they they do a great job of filling it. It is a it is a really it's really fun. They make it all work live and a lot of their stuff was like they would shoot on they would pre-tape it on film on location or even the studio stuff was really complex. So you kind of wonder how they're going to make that work. In a live setting, but they they do it. They're, they and they bust masters. out a couple of the songs there too, right? They, they bust do. out the lumberjack song in that one and sit on my face. They open with sit that. On my face is a is an amazing amazing tune. Absolutely, yeah. With a with a real message, yes, like like a real a lovely message yeah. of love about reciprocal on, on this on love. this important historic day. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna respectfully acknowledge and remove. Live from the Hollywood Bowl, or live at the Hollywood Bowl, and the the anthology film, and now for something completely different. Great. We've done half an hour, and we have not even mentioned uh, The Life of Brian, Monty Python, The Holy Grail, and uh, The Meaning of Life. Well, that that's what it comes down to. And in order, it was Holy Grail. Let's, let's go through each of them. Okay. Uh, Holy Grail was first, 1975, and it's – if you haven't seen it, I'll give you a quick – it is is basically a spoof of the Arthurian legend – and, uh, you know, my, my father pointed this out to me. We were talking about it, uh, yesterday and he, w- he was explaining that for, for the British growing up with, uh, TV shows about knights was the equivalent of in the U S us growing up with Westerns. So okay. those, those stories are their heritage. So they sort of take that and skewer it in a series of, uh, there is a through line to the film, but it also is broken up into a bunch of different sketch scenes. It's, um, yes, and it is, it, it follows, it follows King Arthur as he builds his group of people, yeah. his group of Knights of the Round Table, and the, the creation of Camelot. And if you haven't seen this movie, I don't understand why you're listening to this episode. <laughs> what is your favorite bit in that film? Uh, the, the, the Black Knight. <laughs> the Black Knight, and, uh, and the line, I am a shrubber. <laughs> the idea that a person who sells shrubberies is called a shrubber. Yeah, that is a um, pretty fantastic. That movie, that movie is a series of, that movie is nothing but classic moments strung together. Yeah. I am all, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out and say it right now. This, this so far has, has my, my vote. Yeah, it's of, a- of, of the Python movies there. This is, this movie is pretty much perfect. It's got a fantastic ending. Yes. Um, 
It's got the knights who say knee. It's got, uh, the, it's, it's got Sir Galahad and, uh, in the den with all the whores. Yes. It's, uh, it's got the the sorcerer named Tim. Yeah. It's got, uh, it's got Terry Gilliam with coconuts instead of a proper horse for King Arthur. Yes. It's got cows in catapults. (laughs) I, I, my favorite, uh, my favorite scene is, is, uh, the scene with, um, Oh my God. Terry Jones does not play Galahad, but he's, he's, uh, instructing everybody on how to figure out if somebody's a witch because they brought Carol Cleveland over <laughs> with a, and they yes. put a pointy hat on her and a, put a carrot over her nose. And as that's uh, with proof and he leads them like they're a group of kindergartners, uh, to figure out whether or not she's a witch, which to me is hilarious. Um, uh, yeah, that movie. Every, every, every moment of that, I could, that's the, of the three Monty Python, the three major Monty Python movies. That is the one that I could turn on, uh, that I could turn on at any point, know exactly what was happening and laugh my head off at whatever was on the screen. Come on, the, the murder attack bunny. What's what's that thing's name? Oh yeah. It's, well, it's just the bunny. It gets described. The bunny. Yeah. 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 He's got big. And he's vicious. Yeah. And then, of course, turns out to be vicious. Yeah. Everything in the, every ridiculous thing they do in that film is earned. Which Good is- for us, by the way, for waiting half an hour into this episode before doing crummy British accents. <laughs> we both just, we both just did them for the first time just now. Yeah. I want to give us props for that. We did a good job. We, we held out. We earned it. Much yeah. like the Pythons earned all the weird stuff that's in Holy Grail, mm-hmm. including the ending, which we won't spoil for people who have not seen it. But the, the ending is super bizarre and also it's very, very much earned. Yeah. And also the opening credits are hilarious because yes. they, they keep including uh, uh, moose. And they they're also inexplicably moose. in German. Is it German or Norwegian or at something? Certain point, at a certain point, it becomes Norwegian because the, the people doing the credits get fired and then the people responsible for firing the people who did the credits got fired themselves. And it also features, I think, uh, uh, Ralph the Wonder Llama, I think is featured <laughs> in those opening credits. So that, so that one's great all the way through. Um, we both would, we both would, uh, agree that it's great. And it's also probably the most accessible of those three movies. And it's also the only one that got turned into a, uh, a major Broadway music. Oh, uh, re- restate that phrase. You got cut off. And it's also the only one that got turned into a huge Broadway musical Absolutely. that has seen a life of its own uh, in the form of Spamalot, yes. originally starring uh, Tim Curry and um, uh, oh, dang it, Niles from Frasier, David Hyde Pierce, David Hyde Pierce. Thank you. Who I've seen on stage more times in different roles than I've seen as Niles, but for some reason that's the first thing that popped in my head. Okay. Um, but oh. yeah, the the musical the musical is excellent. The yeah. music in the movie is excellent. Yes. Uh, the Camelot's great. That's one thing that Monty Python does so well is what looks like it's, and, and their songs are a reminder that they're how talented and how diligent and how meticulous they are. Right. Because what could look like a free for all in a sketch form, like two, two guys dressed like old women just cracking on each other. It, it's very loose and everything seems like they're, they've just kind of slopped this together. But you know that they didn't because those songs are so beautifully crafted. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and if we may move on to uh, another film that has what I believe is uh, – are we are, are we good to switch films? Uh, let's do it. You think? Uh, the, the between, uh, between Holy Grail and the next film would be the musical Spamalot, which took possibly the greatest Monty Python song ever and – to their Arthurian legend. You need to, you need to repeat all that. It got, uh, it got cut off. Sorry. Okay. I mean, maybe it's because my, is it when my, uh, screensaver comes on? Maybe. Um, so the bridge between the first and the second Monty Python film is what may be the greatest Monty Python song ever. So great, in fact, that it was used in Spamalot, even though the song was not featured in that film, it was featured in the next film. Uh, and that is always look on the bright side of life from, uh, the life of Brian. Yes. Is it the life of Brian or just life of Brian? It is life of Brian. Life of Brian. Can we just call them, uh, can we just call them Grail, Brian and life? Absolutely. Okay. 
So let's talk about Brian. Sure. Brian, uh, I, lo- I love the description of this film the most, which is, uh, Brian is, Brian is the baby that's born like the next manger over from Jesus on the same night. And he's mistaken by the, by the three wise men to be the king of the Jews, but of course is not and lives his life in parallel and, uh, and eventually becomes sort of a, uh, uh, a, a prophet and messiah. Uh, by his own right, but not by his own, uh, doing or, or willing participation. So it's, it's sort of like the, like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead of the Bible. <laughs> Which I like that they gave him such a pedestrian name. Yes. Brian Cohen is his name in that film. <laughs> um, I don't remember as much from this film. It's been a while since I've seen it and I haven't seen it as many times as I've seen, uh, Holy Grail. I do remember Blessed Are the Cheesemakers. Oh, yes. When Jesus is giving his, is this Jesus or Brian giving the speech? It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, and it's the eight Beatitudes and blessed are the peacemakers comes up and it's the guys in the back that can't hear yes. the Beatitudes, <laughs> which I think is a really, really brilliant idea. Yes. Because no one was amplified in, uh, 30 AD. And my favorite, uh, my favorite line in that scene is, did he say blessed are the Greek? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a classic scene. Him uh when Brian opens up the win this was also the first movie I saw full frontal male nudity. Yes, Graham Chapman, you get to see all of him. Graham Chapman walks up to a window and opens it up completely naked, not realizing there is a crowd of people underneath. It's a great <laughs> gag and it is a jarring gag yes. because uh as a child watching this movie, that's when your eyes get big and your jaw jaw drops and you do that um that little kids do. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. Did you ever do that as a kid? What? Did you ever go, do the, um, like when somebody when somebody would get in trouble and you'd go, um Yes. <laughs> Did yeah. you ever do the extended remix style version? Please uh favor me with my with that. we would do this. My brother and sister and I, and also kids at school would do this. Um would go, um, 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 um. <laughs> so Am I the only person in the world that did that? Were you a, were you a member of Ladysmith Black Mombasa when you were a child? <laughs> yes, I was. And Paul Simon stole our act. Yeah, I really loved your work on Graceland. That was a great album. One of my favorites. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, and then you'd say, life, save us. Oh, oh. Thinking, are, you, are you hearing all of this dinging? I heard a little bit of it. <laughs> It's Juliana sending me uh, Pride Rainbow pictures. All right, let me. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm marking the time code so I can make an edit. Okay. I'm so smart. I'm so smart. Yeah, that is smart. Um. All right. My, my favorite scene in Life of Brian. There are some. I'll refresh your memory on some bits. There's the opening bit where the three wise men come in with the gifts and then take them away. And Terry Jones, who maybe is the best old lady in the group. In oh of all time, yeah, doing the oh he's Brian, he's my child, and then when they realize it's not Jesus, they take their gifts back and slap her and jump her <laughs> to the ground. Um, I think she slaps the baby too. But uh, oh. my, <laughs> some other scenes. There's the uh, People's Front of Judea and the Judeans people and the Judean front. People's Front. Yes, um, there's the whole scene. I think it's the the uh, <laughs> the the Judean People's Front. Uh, or the people's front of Judea are meeting and they're going, what, what have the Romans ever done for us? And then you hear just from the back of the crowd, you hear the aqueducts. <laughs> these guys are, these guys were great with the tiny little throwaway. Yes. Um, and the movie ends with uh, a bunch of crucified people singing. Always look on the bright side of life. Yes, absolutely. Um, a really the greatest like- image. Of a Python movie. A great image and just like so smart. This movie is so smart. It's got so much great satire in it, which they all do. But this one in particular is like, this was, this is like 1979. So it was really edgy and just re- like it works just fine, uh, on the surface level. But the digger you deep, the, uh, the, the, the but, digger you deep, baby. <laughs> you can't I was, get past me with anything like that. I was going to edit that out, but let's just keep it in. Yeah. This is real life, guys. This podcast. We're not presenting some shiny, flowery version of ourselves. I no, said digger. This the is deep. just us talking. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the deeper you dig, 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and the digger you deep. It just like there's so many layers of smart satire and um and information and education about the history of what was going on in that region uh in the time of Jesus's life. I feel like I've gotten a lot of information from Monty Python that I shouldn't have gotten from a comedy group. Yes. Is that like somebody who gets their news from The Daily Show? Yes. Well, that used to be The Daily Show's old tagline. More people get their news from The Daily Show than probably should. <laughs> which, yeah, which I tend to do. I get I get a lot of my news from The Daily Show. Yeah. What is your primary – off the subject. What's your primary news source, Hal? The are you a radio guy? Are you a newspaper guy? Are you an uh, internet guy? I tend to be the internet. I go around and read different news sites and, and – um, but I mean, look, there are a lot of times where – because of social media, you'll get on Twitter or on Facebook and somebody will be, uh, sharing a big story there that is just broken. I mean, it's so, it's so immediate, it's so immediate. It's just sort of the nature of the news cycle now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess Twitter is a, you just hear people start, you see a hashtag. Yeah. You're like, what is hashtag love wins? Oh my God. They rule. <laughs> exactly. And you go to see the ruling. And uh, what about you? How do you get your news? Uh, I am primarily a, uh, I'm primarily an NPR guy. I tend to just have NPR on all the time. Mm-hmm. So I will get the news from that. But I, but in Los Angeles, it was easier because I was driving around in a car. In New York, it's not as easy to always have a radio going because I'm frequently underground and can't get a, uh, can't get a signal. Sure. Um, I like to get a lot of my news from CNN. And then when something big happens, uh, that would, <laughs> that this, this is gonna, uh, well, whatever. Uh, when that, when something big happens that will anger one side. Yeah. Uh, I like to go flip on Fox News and see what they're saying about it. <laughs> like yesterday when the marriage equality ruling came down. Yeah. I flipped on Fox News just to see what they were talking about. And of course they were talking about how brave Justice Roberts was in his dissent. Yes, of course. Like, <laughs> like, boy, you guys never waver in your, in your thing, do you? You know, some people, will willingly fly into the 21st century and some people need to be dragged by their collars <laughs> by this their the by their stiff uh later buttoned onto their suits with their big fancy cravat collars yes uh, i'm assuming they're roughly in the 1890s yeah that's that sounds about right sure uh, there's a great no unions or minorities wanted here there was a great onion article that came out yesterday which is like the the dissenting judges uh realize they're going to be play they're going to be uh they're going to be villains in the Disney film about this ruling later on. Like that was the, <laughs> that was the thrust of it. Like, oh great, I'm gonna I'm gonna show up like a real jerk <laughs> who's close-minded. Meanwhile, the attorney is probably gonna be George Clooney or something. <laughs> yeah, like it's like uh, it's you know you look at a the Patriot. Mel Gibson got to be the Patriot in that movie, though Mel Gibson's probably not the best example to use <laughs> at this point. That's fair. Do you think his beard made him crazy? I think is his, that what it was? I think he his, had a sentient beard. Yeah, his I think his crazy made him beard. Oh yeah, he's like, I'll show the Jews with this beard. Yeah, I'm gonna beard it up. <laughs> Those Jews think they know how to grow a beard. I've seen the Bible. I have that time machine. What is it, Arm? Shut up, you. I'm not growing a beard on you. I'm taking a nap. <laughs> I gotta go leave some voicemails for my ex-wife. Um. Okay, so should we move on from Life of Brian to the meaning of life? Move on to the meaning of life. I the meaning of life. Oh, say that again. I loved the meaning of life. I thought it was it was it was just a beautifully constructed sketch movie. It just felt like a sketch show with a through line. Does that yeah. make sense? With a yeah. birth to death through line. Absolutely. But every sketch was pretty solid. Sure. Um, do you want to – let's go through some highlights for this. There's the every sperm is sacred. With the every Catholic, sperm is sacred. Catholic family that doesn't use birth control. And this and this epic song that is treated like a number from the movie Oliver. Yes. Uh, with people dancing down the block. And I am a sucker for that because I love a musical. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so every sperm is sacred is great. The uh, the giant obese man in the restaurant who is uh, just spraying immense amounts of vomit everywhere which this scene happens late in the movie so they've done some smart things to earn something this stupid yes but just watching a man in a giant fat suit vomiting after after watching a smart film for an hour and a half is a great dessert yes it's mr creosote is the name it's terry jones 
as you are, uh, you are generally well, well informed and I am generally pulling things out of my butt. Well, I may or may not be looking at this on a computer screen as I talk to you about it. Oh, see, I just focus on you, Hal. I focus all my energy on listening to and talking to you. What did you say? We're not friends anymore. <laughs> well, this has been the final. We got this. Monty Python is the- No, we can do it even if we're not friends. <laughs> we're podcast friends now. Yeah, we're podcast friends. That's it. That's all we are to one another. <laughs> oh, we have to be in different rooms to do our podcast. <laughs> in fact, 3,000 miles apart. Yeah, we have to be, we have to pivot around each other. If you come here, I got to go down to the heart of Mexico. It's a whole nightmare. <laughs> a whole nightmare. Uh, uh, how is, how are things down in that cave in Mexico where you're recording from? I'm amazed that you're getting a Skype signal. Oh, it's great. I, uh, I have a series of mining lights strung up so I can always see where I'm going and, uh, I think there's some sort of a furry creature down here that's become my friend that I hope doesn't try to eat me while I'm sleeping. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, big or small? Uh, I can't tell. I've only touched the head. Nah, you'll be fine. I'm sure I will. Um, so the meaning of life. Yes. Um, other more, other memorable scenes. Another brilliantly executed song as the, uh, near the end after when they get to the afterlife scene. Yes. There was a sex ed class. A, uh, a live demo sex ed class. Yes. And the kids are completely bored while John Cleese has sex with a woman in front of them. <laughs> yes. The most pedestrian <laughs> sort of uh, sex scene you could ever see in a film. Which makes it perfect and perfectly Python. Yes. Because they did do a great job of they would flip tropes around like that. Yes. Um, I guess a tr- sex scene isn't a trope. They would flip, you know, usually seen things around. Oh, there's a there's a great World War One scene where uh where Terry Jones is trying to rally the troops to find cover during an attack, but they're but it's his birthday, so they keep trying to celebrate with presents and cake, and they get killed one by one. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> I feel like everywhere else in the world, World War One was a way bigger deal than it was in the United States. Like that's sure. the shortest chapter in our history books. Yes, and I think it's because we just came in at the end, like cavalry style. Well, you know, when we were, we both saw this, uh, when we were in Wellington on our down under tour with Thrilling Adventure Hour, the Gallipoli exhibit at the Wellington, uh, the Wellington Museum. Yes, uh, featuring, uh, Anzac, the Australian New Zealand, uh, Army Corps and everything that they had done in Gallipoli, which was really like their version of what to us like 9-11 was. Yeah. Where thousands of, thousands of people perished and, it was a real nightmare that lasted eight months, this battle uh, in Gallipoli uh, between the Turks fighting on the side of the Germans. And mm-hmm. it was very intense. And I'm like, wait, World War One? That's that's a lot of World War One stuff. Like, wasn't World War One like two months long? Exactly. We went over and we sang over there for about 10 seconds and then the yeah, war. And, and we it. came back. But yeah, it was we, a- we like we wore like that weird like ace bandages for socks. Yeah, it was a horrible, bloody, savage war. And uh you know, we, we, we certainly lost, uh, some people there, but it was nothing like, I mean, the, the end of this Gallipoli story is the soldiers pulling out in the middle of the night and retreating and setting up guns to auto fire so that they, so they wouldn't get attacked as they were, as they were taking their leave. It was just an untenable position that they were put in. Mm-hmm. And the living conditions were terrible, but, but it's, Monty Python features it. We, we really don't have any, or or many uh, World War One films, so we no, would. We have All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, yes, which I believe is German, isn't it? The film is German. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was an American film because it won the Amer- it won the Oscar. <laughs> I just called it the American Oscar. I'm such a jerk. <laughs> no, 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 it won one of them American Oscars. <laughs> it can't be a German film. It won an American Oscar. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's go back to Monty Python. Yes. Since that's the episode. And we've been going for a very long time. Yes. So we have three films. Uh, Meaning of Life, for me, is my least favorite of the three. Really? Yeah, I like the sketches and, and stuff, but... Mm-hmm. the. <laughs> This, the work they did sketch-wise on the TV show is so brilliant that in the film, it's it's more epic and it's very smart and funny, but I actually prefer their sketch work on the TV show. So so to me, it always comes down to Life of Brian or Monty Python the Holy Grail because those films have a narrative to them. 
Well, I feel like you just uh, you just made my decision easier because for me, uh, it was it was a toss up between Meaning of Life and Holy Grail. I do like Life of Brian. It's I just don't I don't find it as memorable as the others, maybe because I saw it when I was younger before I really started paying attention to excellent satire. Right. Um, But for me, I've I've still if it's a choice between excellent satire and just flat out funny stuff that I remember every moment of, I've got to hand it to Holy Grail in this regard. I agree with you. I think it's the, I think it's the alpha and the omega of Monty Python films. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you can't like Meaning of Life. It doesn't mean. No, I can't. loved Meaning of Life. Yeah. You can enjoy Life of Brian, but. But it better you, not be your favorite. Yeah. You can't have your new favorite. We're going to start pushing the boundaries, people. Your new favorite Monty yeah. Python film <laughs> is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It has everything in it. And it, here's the thing that for me, like, I always go between Life of Brian and, and Holy Grail. And the thing that, that, that cinches it for me is in Life of Brian, there's a scene where, where Brian is running from the Roman centurions. He's trying to evade capture and he winds up in a spaceship very briefly. He winds up in a spaceship, goes up to the stars, then comes back down and drops out of it. And it's, it, it's, it's very funny, but it's jarring in the context of the film they set up. So not that they, I mean, they've earned it with a career of doing bizarre stuff, but in the context of that film, it stands out to me. And there's nothing like that in, in, in Holy Grail, because from the get-go, I, from the credits, you know it's going to be bizarre and crazy. And then you've got the coconut halves, and then the 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 airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow, Afri- African or European. Like it's so bizarre. It's a and, film but, of and tangents. Yet every moment is a classic. It is. It is. It's the most quotable of the films. Uh, it just every every scene is great. Like what what is not great about Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Nothing is not great about it. Yeah. So you're welcome for giving you a new favorite if this wasn't your favorite before. Yeah. And if you agree with us, then congratulations. You feel validated. Uh, there's a great piece of fan art that, that I, I shared with you recently that was like the, yes. Oh God. With the, <laughs> the three stages of listening to our show. And one is like, I'm, I have no opinion about the subject, but now I'm interested in it. And then there's one where people, I don't, yelling. I believe it was, I don't care if anybody puts ketchup on a hot dog. That's right. <laughs> Which is crazy. You should totally care if people put ketchup on hot dogs. That's a criminal activity now in our new America. <laughs> in yeah, th- I was gonna say thanks Obama, but no, it would really thanks Lublin <laughs> and Gagliardi. Don't throw all that on me. I'm putting all of it on you, buddy. Oh man, I'm trying to find this tweet. I don't know how. How do you use a Twitter on a phone? <laughs> <laughs> now, do you want to guess again? Some people were guessing that you ran the Twitter account for our show. Anybody want to guess again on that? With Grandpa Gagliardi asks out of Twitter on a phone. <laughs> How do you make this do? Why is it not doing? Did you text it to me or did you? I did texted you it to you. Tweet. Oh, that's why I'm looking on the on the twits. On the twits. Yeah, but I did tweet it from our from our show's account. But uh, th- then the third, the second is I'm yelling at my podcast playing device because I disagree so strongly. And then yeah. the, the you are wrong, is, wrong, 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 wrong. Yes. And then the third is, uh, is elation that we got the, we arrived at what, what you perceive as the right answer. Yeah. I like that. Who was it that sent this? I want to give them a shout out. I think it's really, really good. That was, uh, posted by it's the wonderful wizard of Oz dot whoever, whoever runs that. Um, and I don't, I, I believe, I believe it is a high school student. And wow. she, she posted this. I believe it is a she. I like that she got very angry. Judging by the fo- the drawing, it is a she. Yeah. I like that, uh, the thing that roped her into what is this weirdo show was charcoal versus gas. The thing that angered her was, would you rather be cold in a hot room or hot in a cold room? We got that one apparently wrong. Uh, but then she picked, uh, the easiest one that, that roped her back in, uh, where everybody chose Twizzlers, except Jeffrey Craner of Welcome to Night Vale, who is a monster. Yeah. Uh, what, Jeffrey, what's going on? I know you listened to the show and I think you, I think, it, uh, no, you tweeted about it. You tweeted yeah. about it, Jeffrey. You know what? Um, we're recording this. This is going to come out after, well, after Comic Con, but we're going to be at, at, at Comic Con and you're, you're going to be there too. We're going to sit down and have a Twizzler together. 
and you're going to understand how great they are. We'll, we'll walk yeah. through the experience. Together. And you're going to try to foist a red vine on us and we will refuse to eat it. Yeah, that's right. But red vine, red vine has been so nice on Twitter. I feel like we can't say any, anything else ab- about red vines. I don't want to keep knocking red vines. No, great company, terrible product. You know, <laughs> so, so there you go, folks. Monty Python and the Holy Grail is, yeah. is the best Monty Python film. This is irrefutable fact. Yes. And uh, if you haven't seen the movie, see it. If you have seen the movie but haven't seen the musical, see the musical. If you've seen them both, you're already a fan and you're listening to the show. Yes. And good on you. Yeah. Ooh, that was very down under of you. Yeah, it was. But I did it so – it's such an American accent. I didn't even Good try. on you. Good on you. Kiora. <laughs> I started saying a lot of uh, like kids – like things that kids say today. <laughs> like, oh, really? Like on fleek and throwing shade. But I try to say it as like white adult male as possible because I can't run from what I am. Yeah. I try to run from what I am and I try to say it like cool youngster style. Yeah. Just the fact that I call them youngsters. Um, <laughs> but I'm doing the like, I'm doing the like, I'm doing the like tuck my shoelaces behind my shoes and have the tongues kind of big. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing everything wrong <laughs> as an old man. To try and look younger. You're one step away from a sports car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, no. Look, this. I would say this is a midlife crisis, but I passed the middle of what's going to be my life a long time ago, knowing how I live. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I need you to be around so when the show takes off. <laughs> Listen, oh, I need you to live for me, Mark. Live, I'll live for, for me. You, you know what? Then I am, I am, I'm putting this bottle down right now. Good. I'm putting this this needle down right now, and I'm putting this – God, what else is in my pockets? These things are full. We, well, this is another episode. This is the intervention episode. <laughs> I like the idea that your pants are the carpet bag from Mary Poppins. Yeah, I can with- just pull out – I have a six-foot bong in here. <laughs> I pull it out like it's the hat rack and a slide whistle plays when I do. Huh. Here's a briefcase full, uh, briefcase full of Tech Nines. Um, briefcase. Oh man. Briefcase. How do we make briefcakes that are filled with all of your stuff that you need on a day? You know, it, the 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 digger you deep, the closer you get to a briefcake. <laughs> Folks, there are so many things you want us to answer for you that you may not even know you want us to answer for you, but you do, and we want to know what they are. And there are multiple ways to let us know what they are. Let us know on Twitter at we got this tweets. Let us know on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash we got this podcast. Or email us at we got this podcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Mike Furman and Jonathan Dinerstein for our amazing theme and score respectively. And many thanks to Ken Plume for his editing and his support. Just general emotional support. Yeah, just he's just always been really nice to the show. Yeah, and mixing yeah. and mastering. And he's a good friend of ours, and we like him. And mixing yeah. and mastering. Yeah, he's a good guy. That That's what I meant by editing. I don't know what the words are. I know. It's How fine. do you use a Twitter? Oh, oh, Mark. Oh, <laughs> just hold me, Hal. I will forever. I'll never let you go. Oh, never let go, Rose. Oh, we're not talking about Titanic. No, I wasn't talking about Titanic. I just call you Rose. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> For Hal Loveland, I'm Mark Gagliardi. And for Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Loveland. And don't worry, everyone. We We got got this. We got this.